This program contains explicit content and subject matter which may be unsuitable for some listeners. Discretion is advised. Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. And I'm David. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle's all about. David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And we love talking about sex and sexuality and sexual pleasure. And we hope our discussions will open up your dialogue about great sex because... Well, great sex matters and we deserve it. We sure do. Does it feel like you're struggling to get some balance in your life? Do you ever wonder why some couples just seem to have a better sex life, better marriage, and a closer, more meaningful relationship? We're going to get some solid advice from sex and relationship expert, Dr. Jess O'Reilly from Sex with Dr. Jess, as we explore new sexy fun ways to reconnect with your partner, improve your communications, and add back that missing passion and intimacy so that you can have that great sex that you deserve. And we love great sex. Now, we want everyone to remember to join us for a sexy fun weekend in Toronto, November 23rd to 26th. We'll be broadcasting live from Oasis Aqua Lounge, one of our favorite sexy venues, situated right in downtown Toronto on Thursday, November 23rd. Then still in Toronto, we'll be at and broadcasting from the Everything to Do with Sex Show, North America's biggest consumer sex and romance show, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, November 24th to 26th. Wow, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. And if you're looking for a hot date night fun activity to do with your special someone, then come join us and check out the latest sex toys, hottest lingerie, and everything else you need to spice up your sex life. Plus, there's going to be lots of entertainment and amazing seminars. There sure are. And you can even come by our booth to say hello, hang out with us, and you can even be part of our show. We're so looking forward to meeting all you sexies in Toronto. This is The Sexy Lifestyle, and we are Carol and David. And we're excited to introduce our guest today, sexologist Dr. Jess O'Reilly from Sex with Dr. Jess, host of Playboy TV Swing, television personality and award-winning speaker. She's worked with thousands of couples from all over the world to transform their relationships. Dr. Jess is also an accomplished author with three best-selling titles, including The New Sex Bible and our favorite, Hot Sex Tips, Tricks, and Licks. You can also catch her on Tuesday mornings on Global TV's The Morning Show. Welcome, Dr. Jess, and thanks for being with us again. My pleasure. How are you two doing? We are great. You know, we had such a blast chatting with you on our episode, uh, Have It Your Way, back in February, which was all about sexual compatibility. So we decided to invite you back. And today we're going to talk about creating balance in relationships. Ah, the struggle. Yes, the struggle. <laughs> and we were following you on your globe trotting with the YPO corporate retreats for executives and their partners. And it seems to me like you're learning a whole lot about relationship issues all around the world. You must see a whole bunch of common themes as well, despite those cultural differences. Can you share with us those top three issues that all couples experience no matter where they live? Yeah, that's a really good question because people often hear, oh, you're in Lebanon or you're in Dubai or you're in Hong Kong. And I think North Americans have this idea that like people abroad have 
different and worse and more challenging issues than we do here in North America. And it's total nonsense because people struggle all around the world and we have more in common when it comes to relationship challenges than we do in terms of differences that vary across borders and cultures. So top three issues I would say are time, children, and then frequency of sex. So time just refers to the ability to balance spending real quality time together. And this isn't about date night and this isn't about snuggling or having sex. It's just simply, I do not have enough time. I travel for work. I run a business. I raise my children. I'm involved in my community and I have trouble prioritizing my relationship. Um, we all have the exact same number of minutes in the day. They always say, you know, Beyonce has the same number of minutes as you. Yes, Beyonce has more assistance and whatnot, but you got more to do than many of us. So time is the number one challenge. Secondly, it's, it's children. So children certainly interfere with the relationship. We have data suggesting that relationship strife spikes after you have children. Although people are more likely to stay together if they have children, children are also a, a major source of conflict and challenge simply because as amazing they are as they are, they require a lot of time and attention and nurturing. And as you raise kids, you learn that there are differences in terms of your cultural, and I don't mean ethnocultural, but familial backgrounds and your expectations. And then finally, frequency of sex. Every couple struggles with having sex either as often as they would like or the fact that there is a differential in desire where one person wants it more than the other. Now, it seems like IPO is bringing these executives together because they value the need for everybody to have that great relationship, great sex, so they can put the proper time and effort into be having becoming great executives and having great careers as well as family. What types of things do you talk about? Do you tell these people at these um, retreats to make sure that they get the message? Well, we're talking about the science of passion. We're talking about the value of investing in your relationships. So we invest in our careers, we go back to school, we study, we take courses, we upgrade, we continue to amass qualifications so that we can improve in the workplace. And what we don't realize is that we're not doing that at home and things don't just work out on their own. You don't just all of a sudden own a company or become the CEO of a company or get a management position or get any sort of promotion without putting effort in. And the same thing applies at home. So we really work with this marriage as a business model. So we take all these business principles, we take all your business acumen, and it's not only executives and CEOs I'm working with, you know, I work with a range of people in a, in a variety of, of positions with a, with a number of organizations and, and corporations as well. And what we do is we say, you're good at this in the workplace. How can you adjust this principle or take that business acumen and apply it in your relationship? And what would be the outcome? And they're able to figure out for themselves that, hey, if I honor my commitments and show up to my date on time with my wife or husband or partner, just like I do with my clients, if I come with the same attitude, you don't walk into a client meeting and be like, oh man, I'm just having the worst day. No, you don't do that to a client. You shine for that client. You think about what matters to that client and you ask them about it, right? You ask them about their kids. You ask them about their fishing trip. You refer to their hobbies. So we need to do the same thing and approach our relationships with that same enthusiasm. And I don't want to say professionalism, but commitment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, a lot of times when couples have been together for a long time, 
It happens sometimes that one day they might wake up and realize that they're no longer sexually compatible with the partner that they married those many years ago. You know, things change, our bodies change, our wants and needs change. So how could you tell a partner, like how do we tell our partner after so many years that you no longer turn me on, you know, without really hurting their feelings? Oh, well, I don't think there's a way to say you don't turn me on (laughs) without hurting someone's feelings. I also think you have to consider whether or not that's actually the case. Is it the case that your partner doesn't turn you on? Because I think part of the problem is that we expect too much from our partners. We expect to feel the same passion and spark and desire that we did in the beginning. And that's really unrealistic. If you want to cultivate attraction and spark and sexual interest, it's something you have to, well, I say the word cultivate, you actually have to work on it, right? So it doesn't matter how attractive your partner is or how good they are in bed. If you're not treating each other well, chances are you're not going to want to have the sex. And it doesn't matter how hot they are and how good they are in bed. If you're really stressed out and if the dynamic between you is more friendship or roommate or co-parent or even business-based, because I talk about treating a relationship like a business. That doesn't mean you treat it exactly like a business. It means you take some of those models. You still have to to work some of that intimacy and that kindness and the excitement into the relationship in a different way. So I don't think you can say you don't turn me on, but I do think you can say, here's what does turn me on. Can we try this? Or would you be able to adjust this? Because I mean, if if you tell your partner that they're no longer attractive to you, chances are they're not going to want to try to be attractive to you. But if you tell them, you know, it is attractive when you do this or when you try this, or I remember being so turned on by this specific thing you said, did, wore, etc., they're more likely to be motivated by that positive reinforcement than by, you know, ultimately rejection. Oh, that's so well said, Jess. So what are some of the warning signs that a couple, whether it be a guy or a girl, can see to prevent or, or to see something like this is happening and then, you know, refocus their energy to prevent what, you know, might end up becoming infidelity? That's a good question. I think all of us are wondering how we can prevent infidelity. And the bottom line is you can't because you cannot control somebody else's behavior. And when someone chooses to cheat, they often like to say, it's, oh, it's because my partner wouldn't have sex with me anymore. Or my partner wouldn't try anymore. Fair enough. I'm not saying that your partner is holding up their end of the bargain, but in the end, it is your individual agency that um, leads to cheating. So you can't control someone else's individual agency. Having said that, there can be warning signs. So for instance, if they no longer want to fight, if they are just done even talking about your problems, that may be a sign that they've checked out, they're withdrawing. It may be that And it might be that you're worried that you're going to cheat, right? So you might find that you're turning to somebody else for intimate emotional support. So for instance, we talk about like an emotional affair. So maybe you get good news in the workplace and instead of wanting to tell your partner first, you have that kind of special friend you want to text. Maybe you're constantly checking your phone to see if that person's texting. You know, that's a sign that your chatting online might be, or your chatting with an old friend or an old flame is bordering on cheating. Mm. So here's what you need to do. You need to be nice to each other. You need to be patient with one another and you need to keep trying. And you have to make sex a priority because people do cheat. Some people cheat for the emotional connection, but some people just cheat for the sex. And if one of you wants sex all the time and the other one doesn't want it at all, 
you have to find a way to compromise and meet in between because when people are frustrated, they may cheat. And yes, it is their choice. I'm not saying that, oh, it's your fault for not having sex with them. And I'm certainly not saying you should ever have sex because you feel pressured or because your partner demands it. That's not the case. But if you want to be in a monogamous relationship, you have signed a contract saying, I'm going to make an effort within reason to meet or at least consider your sexual needs, right? Yes, you have agency to say no. You can say no anytime you want. People can also walk out on a relationship and say, you know what? No, this isn't what I signed up for. I mean, monogamy is not realistic for everyone. And if you do want to practice monogamy, you need to actually talk about what monogamy is. Sometimes people cheat because they've never really discussed what monogamy means to them. Can you imagine never talking about what is allowed and disallowed in your relationship, like you guys are in the lifestyle, as long as you're constantly talking about what's allowed and what's not allowed. And it's not as simple as, you know, you can go do this anytime you want. No, Carol, you might be okay with something 99 times and with the hundredth person, maybe I'm getting ambitious here with my numbers, Dave, (laughs) um, you might say, absolutely not. Like, no, I'm not comfortable with this. So all of that open communication that you practice in the lifestyle needs, needs to be practiced in monogamous relationships as well. And that's what we talk about, to keep it sexy, to keep it spicy, to stay connected, and then we won't get into those situations as long as we're communicating and being honest about what we're feeling. Exactly. All right. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. And today we're talking with Dr. Jess O'Reilly from Sex with Dr. Jess. Now it's time for a word from SDC.com. When we come back, we'll be getting into how to keep your relationship sexy and intimate. This segment is sponsored by the SDC Cruise, Caribbean Dreams, December 9 to 16. We're booked and we can't wait to go. And if you've ever attended an SDC Takeover event, then you know what an amazing job they do creating the ultimate erotic setting. SDC has been hosting swinger travel events since 2006, and they showcase sexy fun people from all around the world, offering sensual theme nights, exotic pool parties, sexy playrooms. The opportunities are endless. They are. And SDC were the first to do a lifestyle cruise on a smaller, more intimate, boutique-style five-star cruise. And their upcoming Caribbean Dreams is going to be their sixth lifestyle cruise event visiting the beautiful Caribbean islands starting in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Join us on the SDC Cruise in December by checking out our website, thesexylifestyle.com, for all the details. This is The Sexy Lifestyle, and we are Carol and David. Today, we're talking with Dr. Jess O'Reilly from Sex with Dr. Jess, and she's sharing her advice on how to use sexual intimacy and connection with your partner to keep your relationship strong. You know, and in the last segment, we were talking about how couples can become sexually incompatible over time because people change and things change, but we definitely should never give up on our relationship. So Dr. Jess, tell us how couples can get their sexy back into their stale relationship. Oh, there are so many ways and it's ultimately about breaking habits because when you do the same thing every day, day in, day out, you have the same voice, the same hair, same same appearance, same underwear, same pick up time, all that stuff, it just gets boring and you go, basically you go on autopilot, you stop paying attention. So you need to change your habits. You need to spend time apart being interesting people, having your own hobbies, your own social circles. You can do something practical like trying mindful masturbation together where you really focus on every sensation in your body. It's not about the orgasm. It's not about finishing. It's not about trying to get your partner off. It's just about enjoying the process. You might even consider if you are monogamous, I know some of you out there are not, but if you are monogamous, it might be as simple as 
looking at other people, admiring other people. I often talk about the monogamish space. And I know you guys know I did my, my TEDx Vancouver talk on that. You know, some people just want to stay monogamous. They only ever want to be with one person and that's fine. But you can't only look at one person, be turned on by one person. You're going to be turned on by other people. So talk about the fact that, yeah, I find this person attractive. Sometimes something somebody says to you is going to be exciting. It might just be, you know, a gently flirtatious compliment. You can lean into those things. And I I get a lot of criticism and, you know, hate me all calling me lots of words, um, not so kind words saying, oh, you're, you're going down a slippery slope here and you're putting other people's feelings at risk. You know, you can do anything safely with consent. You just need to acknowledge the risk and say, yeah, okay, so flirting with someone, you don't want to flirt with someone and lead them on in a way that could hurt them. But a simple like you look cute today is not going to give them someone the message that, and again, this is with consent. This is somebody saying, yes, I, I want to talk to you this way. They're not sending them the message that you want to be with them forever, or that you need to take them home that night. Our entire human existence, some social anthropologists and evolutionary anthropologists believe that the reason we're at the top of the food chain, in part, oh, is owing to the fact that we have a capacity to be charming. And charm is part of flirtation. Flirtation doesn't need to be like, oh, yeah, I want to put my lips on you. Mm -hmm. Flirtation can just be simply like, yeah, you're really great at that. It's a compliment about a skill. It doesn't even have to be a compliment about the way you look. So looking at others, admiring others, opening up your relationship to the capacity to even explore the monogamous space, I think is a great way to put sexy back in, in a relationship and all relationships get boring and stale at some point. Now, I, I, we, we talk about this all the time and we do get a lot of comments back about uh, jealousy because when I look at another man, this is what I hear sometimes, when I look at another man, my husband freaks out and he's jealous. So that's just We're not looking. talking about you looking at another man. We're talking about somebody so, else. Yeah, exactly. So how do you deal with someone who says, well, I can't do that kind of thing because my husband would freak out if I looked at another man? Well, first and foremost, I think we have to answer the question, why? Right? Is your husband freaking out and just being a jerk? Or is your husband freaking out and saying, listen, this makes me feel insecure. This makes me feel vulnerable. I value you so much that when I see you look at him and I see that he has something I don't have, I am threatened by that. And then do you respond by saying, oh, well, you have absolutely nothing to be threatened by. You are the one I have chosen. You are the one I want to be with. That does not mean anything. I'm just admiring the aesthetic. So do you have a rational, balanced, maybe less clinical than that, conversation with your partner? Or are they just being a jerk and demeaning you to try and control your behavior, right? Like you'll hear somebody say like, hey, don't be a slut or, hey, you know. So if you're opening up, and having vulnerable conversations about jealousy. I love jealousy. I love, you have to embrace all emotions, okay? It is normal and healthy to feel jealous. We all feel it. And jealousy can be normative and functional where it helps you to identify what you value and it helps you to identify your own insecurities or vulnerabilities or concerns. 
But jealousy can also be problematic. And jealousy is problematic in our response to jealousy. Or if jealousy rules everything you do, it's taking over your thoughts, your relationship, it's distracting you from your capacity to function. But I think we need to make friends with jealousy, with insecurity. I think we all need to stand up and say, you know what, I am jealous because I am threatened by this. And then you can have a conversation about that threat that is more adult and rational and is using the more modern developed part of our brain, not just the reptilian part that says, you mine, no look, I want <laughs> to scare me, right? Like we need to, we need to be more rational about this. Like I, I think if my husband were to come to me and say like, yeah, I felt really uncomfortable with the way that guy was looking at you or the way you were talking or it looked like you were having a better time chatting with him and laughing with him than you were with me, it'd be my job to never ever say, and we've probably talked about this before, I hate when I hear people say, you're just jealous. Yeah, that's what I am. I'm jealous. If you love me, your job is to reassure me. You do not criticize your partner for their negative emotions. In fact, you cannot fully control your emotions. You can't just say, I will the jealousy away. I will never be jealous again. That's not the way emotions work. You can change your cognitions, change the way you think, and adjust your behavior, which impacts jealousy. And that's what we work with with the cognitive behavioral therapy model. But just like anxiety, so people, you know, people experience anxiety. And with anxiety, their inclination, and this is the biggest mistake, is to avoid the triggers that bring out their anxiety. That is the biggest mistake in therapy, in cognitive behavioral therapy, which has shown to produce these positive outcomes to reduce anxiety in the long run. You actually expose yourself to those triggers in a safe, what we call in an exposure hierarchy. So you start with something really simple. Like if if you're deathly afraid of snakes, you look, you think of a snake first, then you look at a picture of a snake, then you look at a picture of a snake behind glass and all those things until you realize, oh my gosh, I'm okay, despite the fact that there are snakes in the world. And I'm taking a very simple mm-hmm. example, but it's the same thing with jealousy. Like you, you're, you can survive jealousy. You will be okay. Your partner is not going to leave you because the guy who makes her sandwich in the morning at the breakfast shop is hotter than you. Like that's not, exactly. that's not what we do, right? Mm-hmm. We're not leaving. Somebody has, like someone has nicer nipples than me. Someone, I always think that in the lifestyle, you know, the, the idea that someone else gives a better hand job or blow job or going down or, or massage. So what? Yeah. Right? Like, am I going to, I love food, okay? I like food better than I like sex and I'm a sexologist. <laughs> I'm not going to leave you because, because somebody else makes me a better back bacon sandwich, right. right? I'm not with you for your back bacon sandwich. <laughs> so I think we just need to use the more rational part of our brain to get out in front of these, these challenges. Okay, right. so, yes. so, so now let's get into some wants and needs. And sometimes, and especially guys, it's hard to explain what we want. You know, we want more of this, but we don't know exactly what we want. So how can we learn to express our needs when we don't really know what that need is? That's a good question. So there's quite a few pieces of advice on that. First and foremost, I think there's value in watching like Netflix movies, which are highly sexual these days. And a lot of the sex that we see on television and in the movies, it's not really about the act itself. It's about the dance that precedes the sex. It's about the associated feelings. So I say every time you're watching like Game of Thrones or Mad Men or a movie or even porn, talk about what you're seeing and how you feel about it. Say, you know what? I like the way she looked at him there. And then you can really expand upon that. So use pop culture as a reference from which 
to express your own needs. Because it's easy to say, I like that, I don't like that. And you don't have to come up with it on the spot. Next, I would say, read other people's stories. I posted an article the other day, and it was 100 women talking about what they want. And one of the pieces of feedback I received from a guy was, well, shouldn't you just ask your partner what they want? Why does it matter what 100 women want? And that's a really good point. It's true. You should ask your partner what you want. But sometimes when you read other people's stories or watch other people's interactions, it helps, it helps to inspire you to think outside your more narrow box. Because when you're good at sex and when you have a good sexual relationship, you know what your partner wants, which is a good thing. But it's also a bad thing because sometimes we stop exploring, right? I always joke, like, with my husband, it's right nipple, left ball, right nipple, left ball, and he's done. And so it's easy to just go to right nipple, left ball. I love that. But, you you know, there are, oh, yeah, there are hints out there, you know. (laughs) If anyone ever gets a clause in the brand or something. Ultimately, I stop exploring. I I stop figuring out, well, what other parts of his body feel good to light touch or gentle pressure or a little pinch. And I stop thinking beyond my little box. So hearing other people's stories, I really think inspires us to be more creative. So listen to what other people are saying as well. Use pop culture as a reference. And think about, I've been talking about, I don't know if you guys know, I also have a podcast now. I I spoke recently about core erotic feeling. So oftentimes with sex, it's not about the act, it's not about the technique, it's about the associated feeling, right? Part of what happens in the lifestyle, it's not that you need the variety, like you need a different penis or you need a different technique, it's ultimately the feelings associated with something new, the feelings associated with the nerves of talking to someone new, those things are exciting. How about the feeling of being desired by someone new? You already know Carol, that Dave wants you and Dave, that Carol wants you. But how exciting is it to hear that someone else also wants a piece of you? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like you think about the feelings associated to sex and try and talk about those. Like, for instance, your core erotic feeling might be, I'm really turned on when someone expresses all animalistic desire for me. Somebody else's core erotic feeling might be, I'm really turned on when you make me feel loved and safe. So talk about the feelings attached to sex and you'll find that you'll have, I think, an easier time expressing your needs even if you can't put your finger exactly on what it is you need in terms of a formula. Oh, that's some really awesome advice. And I know one of the things that you talked about right at the very beginning is about time. And when Mm -hmm. you don't have time to have a long sex session, let's just say, then what happens is we kind of give up on some of it. And maybe we do, like you said, you go to your direct thing that you know is going to work, the left nipple, right ball. Mm -hmm. But what can we do to add some intimacy back and with that exploration, and we don't have a lot of time. So how can we still add that intimacy back as best we can? Well, I think that you need to take 60 seconds every day, every single day to do something intimate for your partner. So it might just be a long hug. It might be a hand massage. You know, I woke up this morning and I needed to go back to sleep for 20 minutes and I was having trouble falling back asleep because we had some house guests. So my husband just rubbed my hand for about a minute and helped me to fall asleep. Um, So it doesn't have to be sexual. Like what we have to understand is when you lay the foundation for a happy relationship, you're laying the foundation for a sexual relationship as well. I'm not saying that you know, being best friends is going to make you sexual, but it's 50% of it. It's a part of it, right? 
So 60 seconds a day, what can you do to make your partner feel important? Can you write them a note on the steamy mirror while they're in the shower that just says, I love you or I want you? I think it's really about weaving a little bit of intimacy into your daily routine as opposed to trying to squeeze in intimacy on Saturday morning or on date night or on Valentine's Day. It's got to be every single day. And if you can't take 60 seconds, you even when you're far away, listen, I'm apart from my husband more than half of the year because I'm traveling 70% of the year. Uh, but I try and find 60 seconds a day to just make him feel important. It might be sending some emojis. It might be you know, sending a picture that I think he might like. I'm out on the street in Prague and I see a black Pomeranian. I know he loves Pomeranians. <laughs> so just as I'm thinking of you, right? So it's not, I know people are always like, send sexy texts. Yeah, that's cool too. But intimacy isn't just about sex and sex isn't just about intimacy. So intimacy needs to be an ongoing effort and you can't wait until date night to cultivate it. Right, and that slight touch, even just touching his head as you pass by in the kitchen or his hand exactly. or, or cheek or something that he knows that you're there and you know you're busy chopping but you took a second out just to touch him lightly and Jess what are some what are some really good words to use to express passion and intimacy and I'm not talking about oh I want to suck your cock or I want to fuck you right now yeah, um, I think anything that, it's, I mean, it's going to vary from person to person because we have different needs. You've heard of the love languages, and I think it's similar when it comes to intimacy and sex. We all have our own language. But for instance, any message that says, you know what, I was thinking about you. Even though I was apart from you, I was thinking about you, um, and I'm considering you. Uh, any compliments that focus not just on appearance, I think that we've been taught to compliment the way our partners look. We say you look handsome or you look hot or you look pretty. And those are really nice things to say. But I think also compliments about the core of who they are, right? Like when I think about my husband, I think that he just has the kindest heart and the purest soul and is so well-intended. And I probably don't compliment him enough on that. Like I'll always tell him how hot he looks or how I like his arms or how I like him in those jeans. But we need to go out of our way to compliment the person not just the body. And certainly there's a time for objectification. I am not, I, I certainly love objectification in the bedroom. There's a point at which you have to just turn to them and say like, I want you and nothing else will do. Not like I want sex, I want you. But if you can compliment them more at their core, what you're doing is building them up. Like you're building up their confidence and confidence is everything in a relationship and in life. Absolutely. All right. Thanks so much, Jess. This is A Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. And up next is our sexy myth busting game with Dr. Jess, sexologist from Sex with Dr. Jess. Each show we invite our sexperts to bust a few sexy myths to help filter through some of that misinformation that we find on the internet, especially when it comes to the topic of sex. Now it's time to get the real truth about intimate relationships. So Jess, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, Carol gets to do the first one again, three shows in a row. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Let us know if this is a myth or not. Happy couples are always in sync sexually. That's a mess. You can be happy and totally out of sync. I mean, like you think about the most obvious one when, when if if you're in a relationship where a woman has a baby, right? I know you both have the baby regardless of gender, but she's not going to be in sync with you. Chances are. So no, happy couples are often out of sync and that's okay. You just have to work to get back into sync and you'll have periods in your relationship where you won't be in sync and that's okay. The key to staying together, and I heard this from, you know, an older couple, the key to staying together over the long run is to decide to stay together. You have to just decide, you know what, this is tough right now, but I'm going to stick it out. So if you're not in sync, that's okay. All right. Here's the second one. 
scheduled sex is not as hot as spontaneous sex. Hmm. So this one can be a myth. For some people, it can be true. I think if you're going to schedule sex, you should surprise each other. So take turns scheduling sex. So it's not like it's in both of your agendas. Um, so if there's anything you can do to surprise your partner, even though you've scheduled it, it can still be hot for both of you. I agree. We do actually ourselves. We schedule, uh, we're going to have sex tonight or it's going to be our date night, but then we don't know what the other one has planned. So even though we've set aside the time, we have no idea what's going to happen. So and, it makes and it a lot And we also like using odd numbers, even numbers. So on the odd days you do it and the even days I do it. Yes, that works really well. <laughs> like parking in Toronto. You can park on this side of the street on the days that ended. Oh my gosh, it's so confusing. I love it. How about if on the odd days I do you from the front and the even days I do you from behind? Sure, whatever works. It's all good. <laughs> so here's As long as she doesn't have to get on top. <laughs> oh no, I like getting on top. We're all good with that too. <laughs> Here we go. Here's another one. Missionary is the most boring sex position. Oh, that's a myth. Missionary is hot. It's probably the most popular sex position, and it's a popular position for a reason. Just because lots of people are doing it doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. You know, I was was talking to someone else this morning about the fact that I get these press opportunities where they're interviewing me, and they want to know about sex positions, and they're asking me, like, for the wildest sex positions, sex positions that are almost impossible to do. And I'm thinking, why would I want to do a position where I'm probably going to hurt myself? And it feels impossible. What? So I can go tell my neighbors, hey, I did the praying mantis. I mean, this is so silly. Do what's comfortable for you. And if missionary works, go for it. Absolutely. So here's another one. You need sex to have true intimacy. I would say this is a myth. I would also say if you disagree with me, um, that's fine because you know what intimacy is to you. Um, having said that, you can be intimately close to someone and not have sex. When you think about the most intimate, closest moments of your relationship, like if I think about mine, it wasn't about sex. It was really about connection. So sex and intimacy can be linked, but for some people they're not, and they can exist exclusively of one another, or they can exist in an overlapping way. So you have to define what works for you. And I think what's really important is that you tell your partner, because you know you can be with a partner who feels much closer to you after sex, you know, you can be with a partner who just, you know, sees sex as more animalistic and feels closer when you snuggle. So you've got to talk to your partner because you probably want both of those things in your relationship. For sure. Okay, here's another one. Having sex is the only way to know if you're into each other. No, I, I would disagree with that. I would say that's a myth. Um, I also believe that if the sex isn't good in the beginning, that you can improve it. People will talk about the role of chemistry and it either works or it doesn't. And I disagree. I believe that you can make things work. It's just like making a meal. If you make a meal and you fail at making samosas for the first time, it doesn't mean you can't get better at it. And if you make samosas that I love, you might make those same samosas for Carol and she might hate them. And that's why, you know, learning to be good at sex and getting into each other, it's a process. Um, And you can tell if you're into one another I mean, into one another is an interesting word, but if if you're going to make it last, let's say, that's really about the commitment you make to the relationship. And sex is not, you know, I'm a sexologist, people think all I care about is sex, and I love the sex, don't get me wrong, I love sex, but it's not the only component of the relationship, and I don't spend 80% of my relationship having sex. I spend most of my time with my partner, 
talking, laughing, having fun, traveling, doing things we love. And sex is a part of that, but it's not the biggest part of it. Yeah, we so agree. And we're swingers and, you know, we're into parties and into all this stuff. But really, the best times we have together are those intimate times. We The other day, we got into the hot tub. We were just sitting there chatting, looking into each other's eyes. We got into bed, gave each other massages, had a nice romantic evening. And we didn't fuck. And we woke up the next day so totally aroused and we had great sex the next day but it's not about having that you know cock and a pussy sex every single time no of course not and a massage sounds good right about now (laughs) (laughs) all right on that note jess thanks so much for your great myth busting skills this is the sexy lifestyle and we are carol and david and up next is our great sex matter segment all about how intimacy and passion leads to that great sex. So just hang on. It's time for another quick word from our sponsor, Lawand. Lawand is a high-end brand of personal vibrating massagers and accessories dedicated to promoting sexual wellness and overall pleasure. Right. And unlike your, your average massager, Lawand embraces its multifunctionality with innovative new features and premium materials for a more luxurious experience. By improving upon a popular model, and that model has long been neglected, Lawand aims to embrace its role as a symbol of female sexuality. Created by certified sex educator Alicia Sinclair, Lawand is designed with pleasure in mind for all body types, encouraging and empowering, quite literally, intimacy and propounding sexual positive lifestyle. Right, and according to Alicia, while historically wand massagers have been marketed as non-sexual devices, Lawand is fully embracing intimate pleasure. She says, as a sex-positive female-founded company, Lawand is redefining the wand massager, a staple pleasure product for women with premium features, attachments, and accessories that will satisfy a wider range of palettes. To find out more, check out the link on our website at thesexylifestyle.com. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. Now, it's time for our favorite part of the show, where we get to talk about great sex because... Great sex matters, and we all deserve it. And today, we have Dr. Jess O'Reilly, sexologist from Sex with Dr. Jess, with us talking about balance in the relationship, especially when it comes to sex. There's lots of different ways to encourage balance in the bedroom. Let's start by discussing frequency. You know, very often one partner wants to have sex more often than the other partner. And it's usually the more horny partner. That would be me. <laughs> who's always, is always the one who's initiating. Me again. No way, Dave. You're <laughs> the more horny one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what can you advise couples do, how to deal with this? So initiating sex and taking turns initiating sex is actually of paramount importance in relationships. When... I used to work with couples one-on-one. The number one concern that they came to me with was within regard to sexual frequency. So one wants it more than the other. The number two concern and the number two complaint I heard, and I still hear from couples, is that one person is always tasked with initiating sex. And as you said, it usually is the higher desire partner. So you need to take turns. And it doesn't mean that it needs to be 50-50, but that lower desire partner needs to step up push their comfort zone and stop just, I I think, relishing in being taken because it does feel good. It always feels good when your partner initiates sex because it makes you feel wanted. But you want to give, I want you to think of it this way. You want to give your partner that feeling too. You want to make them feel desired. So you do need to take turns initiating. It doesn't need to be 50-50, but you can play games with it. So for instance, maybe you're not so comfortable initiating sex in person, but you could send like a flirty text 
The other thing you can do is you can play a game. Like I have this, you know, my oral sex deck, a deck of cards where you pull a move or you pull three moves from this deck and you say, okay, you can choose one and I'll do that one for you. So initiating sex doesn't have to be like it is in the movies. And I think that's why a lot of us don't initiate sex because we don't have the confidence to walk in and be like, I want you. I know you want me. I'm going to kiss you and undress you. That's not the way it works in long-term relationships. Like you go upstairs, you wash off your makeup, you brush your teeth, you have a shower, you get you, maybe one of you puts in a mouth guard, (laughs) right? It's not as sexy. So you have to find other ways. Like it could just be dirty talk. And initiating sex can also be a question. I mean, it's always a question for consent, but it can be something like, do you want me, right? If you need that a reassurance that your partner wants you, because a lot of the times we don't initiate because we're not sure if they want it. But if you say something like, do you want me? Or do you want to play with me? Or is there anything I can do for you? If you can come up with like 10 sexy questions you can ask, those are all forms of initiating sex. I can actually send you... Um, a couple of articles on ways to initiate sex if you're interested. Beautiful, absolutely. Sure, and we'll put them up great. on our site. Now, how do we yeah. find that balance between fucking and lovemaking? Both are primal and we need both, but how do we get that balance? Well, that's interesting. So some people really like the raw screwing and other people really want the intimate connection. And I find, and I don't have any data on this, but I do hear from women that it shifts with our menstrual cycle. And so sometimes we're just in the mood to be bent over the couch. And other times we want all the lovey-dovey stuff. So, and, and it varies for men as well. Like it varies in terms of what's going on at work, how your stress levels are, regardless of gender. So you just got to tell your partner what you want. Sometimes once you start, like you start kissing, you start touching, you just need to whisper in their ear, like, I want it gentle today, or I want it rough today. And you need to, you know, follow your partner's cues. And that's what's most important. And that's probably could be one of the questions that they ask during initiation, you know, how do you want it tonight? What is what do you feel like doing? Yeah, and we've had that before, you know, we started off with a sensual massage and it was nice evening. And I was on top of you doing your back and you felt my cock getting hard behind you. And then all of a sudden, you raised your torso, and you slid my cock in. And now it's like, okay, I want you to fuck me hard. Yeah. Right. So the, we started the out with the intention of being sensitive and, and cuddly, but nah, no, that didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't always have to have a plan. And that's the other thing. Like you in the beginning of the sexual response cycle, you might want something more gentle and intimate. And then as you become more aroused and your inhibitions drop because you've got, you know, the oxytocin and the adrenaline flooding your system, you might find that you want it rougher. And so you can always change your mind, whatever you want. You know, sometimes in the middle of sex you might want it rough or you're getting kinky or maybe you're like talking about things that are uh, edgier or pushing your comfort zone and you feel really turned on and your arousal is heightened. And all of a sudden you get upset by it, right? Like I see this in the lifestyle. I don't know if you guys see this, but I see couples where they're really, really into it. And then all of a sudden they just get a little bit nervous Mm -hmm. and they say like, I'm I'm not into it. And they'll walk right out of the room. I've seen couples like fly down to the resort and, and even though they've been there before, turn around and go home because you're not always in the mood for everything. And that's okay. It is. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Now let's talk about morning sex and nighttime sex and afternoon sex. Is there a difference? (laughs) Is one better? Is, is one more conducive for a woman to a man? 
Well, they're all delightful. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, morning sex is interesting because your testosterone levels are higher in the morning. Plus, you have like that morning wood. Some of you can make use of, although some of you like to pee first. You don't want to just get up and use that wood. Um, so you got higher testosterone levels in the morning. Uh, nighttime is tough because you tend to be tired. And most of us in North America, at least, are sleep deprived. And being sleep deprived means that when you fall asleep and you're going to bed, you're thinking about, oh my gosh, I have to be up in X number of hours. So I really think morning is the right time. I know a lot of people disagree with me. I also love the idea of, for instance, if you are having date night, I love the idea of having sex before you even go out so that you can have sex and then you can have a nice heavy meal. You can have some wine. You don't have to worry about whiskey dick. You don't have to worry about, you know, <laughs> that feeling bloated or anything like that. I love the idea of sex before dinner time. In terms of the gender split, I hear from more men who want it in the morning and fewer women who want it in the morning. But I do think that if you are one of those people that says you don't have time for sex and that time just slips away during your day, if you want to prioritize sex, set your alarm 10, 15 minutes early and see what you can do in the morning. It doesn't need to be a full session. Yeah, that sounds great. Now, in the lifestyle, we often go out to the clubs and meet our friends at the clubs and they usually open at 10 o'clock at night. By the time you meet a couple and then you get in the playroom, it could be already midnight or one before you even start playing. And then we know that you know, we don't want to rush it or anything. and We might be getting home at four in the morning. But as we get older and we find that that is a little bit more taxing on our system, we have this, this thing we say is called play early, play often. And we like to go to friends' houses instead. And we might start at five with some cocktails and a little bit of fucking, a little bit of playing, and then have dinner and then a little bit more and, and make it a whole evening. So time for us, uh, definitely early evening, right through the whole nighttime is great for us. And there's all these benefits to morning sex, too, I forgot to mention. Like, you know, you, we have like dehydrogenosterone that's released during sex, and it's associated with shiny hair and glowing skin. Mm. Uh, you start off the day in a good mood. You, your memory is actually improved. For some people, their cognitive functioning is improved after sex. So there are all these various benefits uh, to, to getting it done in the morning as well. <laughs> okay, that's, I know. And, you know, we love morning sex as well. So, you know, men usually have one orgasm during sex and followed by a refraction period, but women can have multiple orgasms. So with the goal of balancing sexual pleasure, what's the consensus about how many orgasms you should have during sex? Well, I, scientifically speaking, women should have 25 orgasms for every one male orgasm. <laughs> help. Someone help me. We got to bring out the sex toys. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know what? It really doesn't matter. Here's what I want. I want people not to keep score. I want you not to worry. You can have the hot, like for women, for instance, although more of us are multi-orgasmic, you can have the hottest sex ever and only have one orgasm. And then you can have sex where you have like eight orgasms and it's not even as good. So it really is about quality, not quantity. Please do not worry about how many you are having. I don't. <laughs> he doesn't know it. No. He has the one every single time. But we time. have this, Carol has this new toy. It's called the Womanizer. Holy oh, yes. crap. <laughs> yeah. He has no chance when it comes to the Womanizer. <laughs> it's a great toy, but it's fun. You know, it gives me time to, you know, recover and Carol still is sitting there playing with herself, having some orgasms, and which turns me on and it gets us primed for round two. 
<laughs> For sure. So it happens sometimes that one of the couple is usually the giver, while the other one is usually the receiver of pleasure. It happens very often that it's not balanced in that way. Can you give them some advice to get that back in balance? This is really interesting. One of the challenges I see is that many of us have been trained to be givers, but we feel as though it's selfish to be a receiver. So I think if you look back 30 years, we heard more women, for instance, in hetero relationships complaining that the men were just taking, right? But today, I think regardless of gender and sexual orientation, we have all been trained to be givers. Because if you read the magazines, it's all about how you can give, 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 and it's not about you, you, you. So I'm seeing people who don't even know how to receive pleasure. They don't know how to lie there and just take it in. So you need to train yourself. And the way we train people to receive pleasure is simply with a massage, like a sensate massage where you focus on the sensations alone. You need to be able to lie there for 10, 20 minutes and not worry about what your partner's feeling, not worry about reciprocating, just have them touch you for non-sexual pleasure. So cover your body, ignite your skin, get those nerve endings awakened, and let it feel good, and then roll over and go to sleep. Ah. Do not reciprocate. And it is a very hard thing to do in a performer culture. And our sexuality is so intrinsically tied to performance in this culture. It's all about how many orgasms can you give a person? How good are you at fingering? How good are you at a blowjob? And we're so focused on performance that we're no longer taking it for ourselves. So I think that massage activity is very important, that you take turns two nights in a row, no sex, and you just lie there practicing giving and receiving pleasure. I think that's a great, great idea. I mean, I know that I have a hard time sometimes just lying there and taking it. And I sometimes, not that I get bored, but I almost have to put myself in the right headspace to take it. So I I get that completely. Now, you mentioned it earlier also, but mindfulness is a buzzword that we hear these days. It's about being present and focusing on the moment and blocking out all that unnecessary stimuli in our busy lives. And mindfulness during sex can really make a difference. Can you tell us how couples can work together to focus on each other for a more intimate and more connection during sex? Yeah, people who practice mindfulness, I imagine, have an easier time being present in the moment. And it's a real struggle, actually. You asked me about the top three problems. And one I didn't mention that probably could fit in there is presence. The ability to just be here and be together and feel what you're feeling in your body instead of, for instance, thinking about your performance, right? Instead of thinking, well, what do I look like from this angle? And is my partner enjoying this? Or thinking about the kids in the next room or the neighbors hearing you or what you have to do tomorrow. And all of those thoughts, we call them intrusive thoughts, are normal, right? It's, it's normal to have intrusive thoughts sometimes because it is very difficult to be present and we are accustomed to multiple distractions these days, especially as we have multiple tabs open and multiple devices running and multiple conversations happening at once. So you could do small mindfulness activities. In fact, like I would recommend an app called Headspace that can help you to do really simplified versions of mindfulness. And I always suggest that if you're going to practice something new, 
that you practice it outside of the bedroom first. Um, not everybody falls into this pattern, but most of us find the bedroom to be more high pressure than other realms of our lives. So try and app like mindfulness, not for sex, and then you'll be able to transfer those skills into the bedroom. Great. That's very, very good advice. All right, Jess. So, you know, we spoke about a whole bunch of things, uh, time and priorities and um, the top three things to do. But, you know, let's, let's really narrow it down to with time being so valuable these days, what really tonight can a couple do? Give us three things to have great sex, even if their time is limited. Do you want me to give you like the, the practical stuff or just the sex stuff? Oh, whatever. Whatever works. What's going to get both. them get them to have the great okay. sex tonight? Right. So I might give you more than three. So number one, turn off your phone half an hour earlier than you normally do. Shut down. It is incredible what turning off your laptop, your iPad, your phone, your uh, anything you've got. Your, if you've still got an iPod, a TV, all those things. If you can shut down your electronic devices half an hour earlier than normal, you will find that your night is just more relaxing and more intimate. And people have all these excuses, but if you can stop bringing that damn phone into the bedroom, uh, it will have a really remarkable impact not only on your intimacy and sex life, but also on your sleep. In terms of sex, I would suggest that you try something new. So even change the location. So rather than doing it on your bed, maybe you do it on the couch or on a chair or in the shower. Location is really key to switching things up because, again, anytime you're in a new environment, you're on higher alert and it can make your sensations even more heightened and your arousal more intense. I would suggest once a month, you also bring something new into the bedroom. So Dave and Carol have recently discovered the womanizer, Mm. just anything. So maybe it's a new lube, maybe it's a new toy, maybe it's just a silk tie, maybe it's a blindfold, maybe you just pile the pillows on top of one another so that you can get new angles. I got this really cool um, inflatable wedge pillow. So I live, I, I'm a minimalist. I don't like too much stuff in my house. So I'm, you know, people are always sending me lots of different sex toys and I can't keep all of them, but I really love this uh, inflatable wedge pillow. I got it from adamandeve.com and it blows up and then it just goes away in my drawer when I'm done with it. Right. And so it allows you to have sex in different positions. I think that's, that's a really fun way to play. And then if there's a skill you can develop, it is dirty talk, learn to talk dirty and talking dirty isn't like oh put your blank in my blank and blank me ah blank 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 (laughs) not like that but thinking about all the different styles of dirty talk so your dirty talk can be romantic and intimate it can be demanding it can be fantasy based it can be playful it can be really naughty it can be kinky if you can and i'm going to give you a a, some a handout on this too if you can learn to talk dirty half of your work is done. So that's what you can really do. And the dirty talk, the flirtation needs to begin on Monday morning, not just on Thursday night, on your date night. Like you need to weave this throughout again, your daily routine. Wow. That's lots of good things we can do tonight. Absolutely fantastic. So, you know, Jess, it's always a pleasure having you on our show, chatting with you, going on retreats and trips with you. We hope to see you soon. 
And yes. uh, hopefully it'll come up uh, early in next next year. We know how busy you are. And even one day, you know, you're always welcome to come visit us in Montreal. But we always have such a great and insightful discussion, you know, and you're always about, you know, getting balance back in lives and through relationships. Uh, we talk about, you know, the sex life and prioritizing work, family, sex and relationships. Just thanks so much for being here, sharing all your advice. Take a couple of minutes and tell people how can re- people can reach out to you on social media, your services, what you do, where you're going. Well, no, don't go into where you're going because we'll be here for another two hours. But you know, how, how can people find you? You can find me at sexwithdrjess.com and doctor is abbreviated to DR. Same thing with all social media at sexwithdrjess. And I have a podcast that you can listen to off of iTunes or my website, The Sex with Dr. Jess Podcast. And you guys need to come on. Okay, we we're will there. for sure. Let us know when. No problem. We'd be okay, happy to. Okay, excellent. So thank you so much. So we're learning more and more every week from all our fantastic sexpert guests. And we hope you do too. And remember, great sex matters. And you deserve it. We encourage every couple to make a point of learning more about sex and sexuality and all the different ways to spice up your sex life. Go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, on our radio show guest page to see all our amazing sexperts. Look them up and contact them if you need more advice. Well, that's it for our show today. A big thank you to our special guest, Dr. Jess O'Reilly from Sex with Dr. Jess. And a special thanks to you for listening. And once again, we've reached another threshold. We're at 120,000 listeners in over 60 countries. So keep on listening. Tell your friends. We're here every week. And remember to visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com, and you can sign up on sdc.com for one month free by using our promo code 30314. And we're going to be in Chicago October 21st at the wonderful exclusive Lux Social Club, so uh, bring your friends and come visit us there. And we'll at the Everything to Do with Sex show again in Toronto, November 24 to 26. And the SDC Caribbean Cruise, December 9th to 16th. The last but not least, Hiro Kamasutra in Jamaica, January 20 to 27. Meet us there. And for any more information, check out our website or send us an email at ask at carolindavid.com. Join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, where we'll be broadcasting live from the Naughty Cruise, sailing from L.A. down to Ensenada, Mexico, with the whole naughty gang. It's going to be an absolutely awesome party ship and trip. You won't want to miss it. We are Carol and David reminding you to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 